0: Welcome to the London First Baptist Church podcast. This is the Sunday morning service of November 29th from Pastor Brett Cottrell. I invite you to open up your Bibles to the Gospel of Matthew. We're in chapter 11 this morning as we begin a series for Advent. Awaiting His arrival. This morning we will be, as we talk about this, we'll talk specifically about what it means to wait for Him. In the dark. Now, we all know what it means to wait, don't we? We have, uh, how much of our time is spent waiting? Actually, a little research. I found, at least from 2017, I found a report that said that the average American spends a little over six months in the course of their lifetime doing nothing but waiting in lines. If you go to the amusement park, it's even longer than that. So we spend a little over six months of our lives waiting in lines for things. I'm going to assume that means the grocery store, the amusement park, uh, getting your driver's license, (laughs) whatever it might be. Six months of our lives spent waiting in lines. Now get this, this will really bless your heart. We spend on average as human beings in this world of ours, 43 days of our lives on hold waiting for a customer service representative think it's more than that <laughs> some of you have been on hold for 43 days for a single call perhaps i don't know we spent we know what it is to spend time waiting and a lot of our time spent waiting it seems like a uh, a useless thing does not it we don't get much accomplished we're just sitting there waiting for something to happen and we're not really doing anything in the process but when the bible speaks of waiting we're not talking about a killing time doing nothing type of a waiting When we talk about Advent, Advent comes from a word that simply means coming, the arrival. And Advent is a time that Christians for generations have set aside to anticipate, to wait on or remember the waiting on, the arrival of the birth of Christ. It's meant to kind of remind ourselves of what it was like for the people of Israel 2,000 years ago to be anticipating the coming of the anointed one. And God has called us to many things. He's called us to lives of service and proclamation as believers in Christ. He's called us to worship. He's called us to work. But He's also called us to wait. A life of waiting, a hopeful waiting, not a useless waiting. And so beginning today and throughout Christmas, we will explore the idea of what it means to wait for His coming. And just as the people of God uh, the people of Israel waited for the arrival of their messiah and they waited for him for centuries so even we today while we look back on his arrival in the form of a baby born in that that morning in a manger we also anticipate and are waiting for his arrival as well for his return when he will not come In a manger, but he will come with the clouds. But let's be honest. Waiting's hard, isn't it? Waiting's not something we enjoy, especially when waiting's accompanied by other things like pain, unmet expectations, being treated unfairly by those around us, by difficulty. When our pain's accompanied with loss and fatigue, stress and time, lots and lots of time. Waiting can be difficult. I want you to, with Matthew chapter 11, read with me these first six verses and we'll see one that we know well, John the Baptist wondering about the timing and waiting for Jesus. Matthew chapter 11, verse one. When Jesus had finished giving instructions to his 12 disciples, <clears throat> he departed from there to teach and preach in their cities. Now, when John, while imprisoned, heard of the works of Christ, he sent word by his disciples, and said to him, Are you the expected one, or shall we look for someone else? Jesus answered and said to them, Go and report to John what you hear and see. The blind receive sight, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, and the deaf hear. The dead are raised up, and the poor have the gospel preached to them. And blessed is he who does not take offense at me. Heavenly Father, as we come to the Scripture this morning, as we anticipate the celebration of your first arrival and look forward to the coming of your second arrival. Would you, through your word this morning, encourage and strengthen our waiting, give it meaning and hope and enable us to be a people anticipating your work. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. (laughs) Waiting sometimes or often does mean knowing that the way things are right now isn't the way they're supposed to be. So whatever it is you're waiting for, if you're at the doctor's office, you're waiting to see the doctor because something is not the way it should be, and you're hoping to meet with him, waiting to meet with the doctor to hopefully get something worked out and make something better. If you're waiting on that turkey to cook, and you smell the turkey on Thursday morning, you're waiting on a meal being prepared, whether it's at McDonald's or anywhere else. (laughs) You're waiting on the meal, you're You're feeling hungry, you have a need, you want something to change, so you wait in anticipation for the meal to arrive. When we wait, we're waiting for something to change, because we know something needs to be better than it is at that given moment. Now, whether it's something small like that, or maybe it's something bigger. Maybe we're waiting for the arrival of someone that we haven't seen in a long time, that we love greatly. Maybe we're waiting for recovery from an injury or from a trauma or disease. Again, something in our lives isn't quite the way we think it ought to be. Maybe it's not quite the way it should be. And so we we realize that there should be a change coming. We anticipate a change coming. We're looking forward to a change coming. And whatever it is that brings that change, sometimes we have to wait for it. So when we are waiting, we are already acknowledging that something right now is not quite the way it should be. Whatever the details are. We want something to improve. We want the circumstances to change for the better. But waiting is hard when things don't seem to change at the pace we want them to. (laughs) When the meal doesn't come fast enough. When you wait for a long time in the doctor's office. When whoever it is doesn't show up and their plane is delayed or their flight is delayed or for whatever reason they aren't here when you want them to be here. Waiting is difficult when healing takes longer than we anticipate. In Matthew chapter 11, John the Baptist is in prison. Now, we know who John the Baptist is. In fact, during our Advent reading this morning, we heard a little bit about the birth announcement of John the Baptist. We heard a little bit about what he would do and what he would be. John the Baptist, I don't know about you, but I have this vision of John the Baptist. He's, you know, The Bible describes him as someone who's out in the wilderness, ate locusts and honey. When I, when I, when I see John the Baptist, I think, Big old bushy-peered mountain man type of a guy. Voice just carried. You know, you know those guys that when they, when they have a little oomph to their voice, their voice just kind of carries across the countryside. I, I, see, I see that I hear that when I think John the Baptist. I mean, I think John the Baptist, he's one of those guys that he called out power. I mean, he called the Pharisees all kinds of names as he's preaching at them. His basic message was, repent. For the kingdom of God is at hand. I mean, I think of Elijah, I think of Jeremiah, I think of Isaiah, I think of all these Old Testament prophets when I think of John the Baptist. And John the Baptist, at this time, is actually in prison because he did exactly that. He had called out King Herod. This will be the King Herod that sometime in the next couple of years will bring jesus before him and make fun of him and demand a miracle and ultimately send him back to pilate for crucifixion that king herod and john called him out king herod had had his brother killed so he could marry his brother's wife scandal and so john the baptist called him out and the result was john the baptist is now in prison he will end up not too far from now with his head chopped off for all his efforts this is John the Baptist, that bold, brazen, loud preacher, prophet, if you will, kind of the, very much the last of the Old Testament era prophets. That's who John the Baptist was, out in the wilderness baptizing people, calling the nation to repent. And yet, despite the fact that he had, to his own disciples, pointed Jesus out and said, Look at him, that's the one. Jesus had, had, had come before John had been baptized. John had seen God's presence through the Holy Spirit descend upon Christ. And John told everyone around him, that's the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And that very man, that very John the Baptist who made that proclamation, who pointed people to him, who said things like, he must increase, I must decrease, is now in prison asking, are you really the one or should we be looking for somebody else? What would cause a man that sure, that bold, that strong to begin to wonder and doubt? Look at what happens here. It says that John, while imprisoned, heard of the works of Christ. And that's when he asked the question, Are you the expected one? Well, I find that kind of interesting what was it about what jesus was doing that caused john to wonder if jesus was the messiah if nothing else it would seem to me that perhaps jesus was not quite what john the baptist expected now i i don't know that we think about that we might think of sometimes the 12 apostles not quite getting everything jesus was talking about but apparently john the baptist even began to wonder again why would he do that? Well, again, let's look at what John the Baptist said when he preached. John the Baptist said things like, repent, kingdom of God's at hand. He's talking to the Pharisees at one point, and John the Baptist says this, the axe is already laid at the root of the tree. Every tree that doesn't bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. He's looking at the Pharisees when he says that. He's, he's basically telling the, the people of Israel, the leaders of Israel, you got, you're about to get chopped down and thrown into the fire. This is John the Baptist. John says, One's coming after me, and he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. He will gather his wheat into the barn, and he will burn up the chaff with unquenchable fire. Know what John sees in the Messiah? John and the Messiah see someone who's going to come in and burn the place down. John looks out around him and sees all the bad stuff. He sees the corruption he sees the false teaching he sees the religious hypocrisy and he looks around them and says listen you guys are about to be toast unless you repent because one's coming after me and you think i'm harsh the guy coming after me is going to chop all the trees down and burn the place down that's kind of what john the baptist is thinking and now let's flash forward john's now in prison for that type of thing and he sees jesus doing what in the immediately preceding chapters in matthew 8 9 and 10 If we were to go back and look, what you would see is this. In Matthew chapter 8, Jesus healed the son of a Roman centurion. Now, what do you think John thinks about the Romans? And yet Jesus heals the son of a Roman centurion, the family of the enemy. In chapter 9, Jesus called a tax collector named Matthew. To be one of his disciples, a tax collector, a traitor to the to the Jewish government and the Jewish people. He also cast out demons in an area of the of the, of the in an area uh, called the Gadarenes, a Gentile area. He resurrected the daughter of a synagogue leader. We've already seen what John thinks about the synagogue leaders and the temple leaders. So what John hears after all this hellfire and brimstone preaching of his, and anticipating the same coming from the Messiah, what he sees is Jesus healing people that are the enemy. He sees, people healing, he sees Jesus healing Gentiles. He sees Jesus calling tax collectors and traitors. He sees Jesus talking about grace and compassion and forgiveness. And perhaps John, in the middle of all this, While he was expecting fire and apocalypse, got something a little bit different. And on top of that, John is where again? He's in prison for doing the exact same thing he thinks Jesus isn't doing. For preaching hard. Now, by the way, Jesus did preach hard. He preached on hell quite a bit. So don't don't misunderstand that. But John is under the idea at the moment. He's wondering... Well, something right here is is not quite right. Maybe John's even thinking that he's in prison and that maybe, compared to Christ, he's being treated a little bit unfairly. He's waiting. I have no doubt that as John the Baptist began to, as his ministry began to kind of fade and Jesus began to rise up, and he said things like, he must increase, I must decrease, that he was expecting Jesus to leave that revolt he was expecting god's judgment to come down and clear everything out and a brand new thing to begin i think he was expecting all that and it didn't happen right away what he thought was going to take place didn't take place in those next few months he was waiting for it and it didn't happen the way he thought or when he thought or how he thought and now he's wondering as he's waiting for it to happen he's even doubting by the way, let me just put this in here. If John the Baptist can doubt, <laughs> if John the Baptist can have the occasional question, so can we. Sometimes we are under the idea that if we're wondering about how something's happening, we're wondering about Scripture or wondering about who God is, that we can't ask questions. Let me tell you what, there's no better place to ask questions than here. One thing we do see here is this. John's got questions. He's wondering if Jesus really is the Messiah. He's wondering if he was mistaken in telling people to follow Jesus. And yet, where does John ask his question? To, to Jesus. Asking questions isn't the problem. Make sure you ask the right people. I'd say that. <laughs> Go to the right place. But he does ask questions. He didn't even doubts. He's hurting. He's suffering. I wonder you had the chance this morning as we wrap up 2020 to ask some questions what would they be? If you had the opportunity to send a messenger to Jesus this morning what would your question be? What would you in your moment when no one else was around would you say you know what there have been some things that have caused me to wonder wonder Is Jesus really the one? Or should I look for someone or something else? What would be your questions this morning? What things have not worked out this year the way you thought they would? What sacrifices or what unjust things have you endured, maybe even for the kingdom of God, that leave you unsure? Maybe you have questions, maybe you have pain, Maybe you wonder about the big picture portion of the world, but maybe you just think about your own struggles and hurt and go, Lord, I don't understand why. And you're in the same position that John the Baptist is in Matthew chapter 11. Waiting for answers. Waiting for what you thought God was going to do to actually take place. And like John, maybe this morning you're waiting in the dark. We have these four candles on the Advent candle. There's four candles in a ring, and then one candle in the middle. If you're unfamiliar with this, let me tell you a little bit of the picture of what's happening here. These four candles stand for peace, love, and joy, and hope. The middle candle, the white one, stands for Christ himself. And as we anticipate the arrival of Christ, as we remember the arrival of Christ specifically for, at his birth, we recognize that the closer we get to his arrival, the more light there is as we anticipate his coming, that the darkness will fade and the light will come. And so what happens is each week we light another candle. There's more light until finally at the very end, all the candles are lit and the light has arrived. That's the picture there. And for John the Baptist in Matthew chapter 11, as he's in that prison, all he sees is dark. Because things are not looking and working out the way he wanted to. It's difficult. Advent's about waiting and looking for His coming. It's about anticipating the coming light, though that right now we may still be in darkness. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, if you know the name, a German pastor, theologian, who lived in the earlier part of the 20th century. He was um, actually in the United States when the Nazis came into power in Germany and despite the fact his life was under threat, decided to go back to Germany to pastor and to minister to his people in the midst of Hitler's reign. Eventually, he was arrested and put in prison, and just days before the the armies of the Allies were to liberate the prison where he was in, the Germans executed him so that he couldn't be released. Dietrich Bonhoeffer said, this about Advent, about the anticipation and the arrival of Christ, that celebration. He said the celebration of Advent is possible only to those who are troubled and soul, who know themselves to be poor and imperfect and who look forward to something greater to come. Advent means much more when we know what it is to wait in the dark, Advent in some ways even symbolizes not just what the people of Israel were dealing with 2,000 years ago, but what we as a church are dealing with even today. Because just as the people of Israel waited for the original coming of the Messiah, if you will, we wait for His return. Ancient Israel was in exile, waiting and hoping in prayerful expectation of the Chosen One, the coming Messiah. They look look back to their past to find themselves resting on the promises of God and His past acts of deliverance, whether it be their release from Egypt or the traveling through the wilderness. And they look for God to do that again for them. And you and I this morning can look back at the cross and look at what God has done in the past, but also look forward to what He will do in the future. The coming of Jesus, we're waiting for him. is not a wasted time. It's not a useless time of just sitting down there and killing time on your phone playing a game. When God asks us to wait, there is something substantial going on. Waiting reminds us that the world is not how it was created to be. And that it's not how it will be one day again. The world around us, let's be honest, is not right now cheery and sweet and perfect. We, we come to Christmas, everyone likes to talk about all those things. All the commercials on TV are about that. All the songs are about happy, sweet tidings. But you and I know that's not what Monday morning is going to look like, is it? The pain of the world into which God, His incarnation, Christ, came is plain in the day's if we look back, we know that the world of Jesus Christ's birth was a world that was in crisis. A world full of pain. It was a world full of refugees, protests, suspicion, conflict, poverty, uncertainty, and death. Sounds a whole lot like our world today, doesn't it? Sounds a whole lot like 2020, and yet. God, through Christ, entered into darkness and brings about and has brought about light that darkness cannot overcome. Waiting reminds us that the world is not as it should be, but what it will be one day. We are waiting for the activity of God. Waiting reminds us that we, in fact, need a Savior. You and I are a world. We are wounded. We need help. Waiting reminds us of God's promises. Now, it's easy to lose sight of what God has said, just as it was for John the Baptist when we are confronted by extreme pain and difficulty and even what seems like overwhelming darkness. All we can see is that. But waiting reminds us that we need deliverance. John wasn't going to get out of that prison by himself. We're not going to get out of the darkness by ourselves. We need a Savior. Waiting is also a sign of trust and faith. When John, in fact, did have his questions and doubts, he at least knew enough to go to Jesus with his questions. Trusting God when we don't hear him, can't see him, and don't understand what's going on around us, ultimately will strengthen and purify us. If our faith is based only on the idea that everything will be okay all the time, if our faith is only in effect if everything in our lives is just exactly the way we want it from day one, that's not much of a faith. And then the first time something goes wrong, our faith will be gone. Our faith must rest on the idea that God, even when we can't understand, will still be at work to accomplish His purposes. A token Shallow faith will not survive the darkness. If I were to wait at the doctor's office, I mentioned that before. If I go to the doctor's office and I'm waiting, and I'm waiting, and you may have been there, you've waited. Imagine waiting so long that you finally just say, I'm done waiting, and you leave. What have you just said? You have said that you no longer have faith that you will be seen. You you no longer have faith that the wait is worth it. And so you depart. When we wait for the Lord, I am exercising faith that even though I don't see the end, I am trusting him to accomplish what he said he would. Think about Abraham. It had been 25 years since God had told him he would have a son. And it still hadn't happened yet. And in case you think Abraham was steadfast in faith and trusting God in the middle of all that, then where did Ishmael come from? Abraham got so worried that God wasn't going to keep his word that he ended up trying to solve the problem himself by taking Sarah's servant girl, Hagar. David waited more than a decade from the time that God anointed him before he actually became king of Israel. Israel waited 400 years in slavery before God delivered them. And it's been 400 years since the last prophet Malachi until John the Baptist showed up. God's people find themselves constantly in a place where they must wait for the arrival of God's work. But waiting also did this. Waiting brought Abraham a son named Laughter. It brought David to a throne that would never leave his family. Waiting brought Israel freedom from slavery. And it ultimately brought the people of Israel and to us the hope of eternity through Christ. Waiting in the dark, even with our doubts, will lead to the arrival of the light. Christ himself verse 6 here Jesus ends this little conversation with John's disciples and says this blessed is he who does not take offense at me in other words blessed is he the one who when their expectations aren't met when your timing doesn't match up with God's timing when your questions when your circumstances do not cause you to reject Christ so basically what Jesus is saying is this if even in your doubts even in your prison even in your darkness you will hang in there and wait it's going to be worth it it's going to be worth it many of us this morning are waiting for 2021 going it's got to fix all the 2020s problems right i mean the calendar is going to turn here in about a month or so and on january 1st 2021 everything is going to be magically better right Everybody's going to get their jobs back. COVID-19 will be gone. The president will do everything we want him to do. It's going to all be better January 1st, right? Or is it the same world on January twenty-first or January 1st that was on December 31st? It's the same world. We're waiting for the year to change, but the year is not going to make a difference. We're waiting for all kinds of things this morning. The world is waiting. God's people are waiting. And if you're waiting on the arrival of Christ, his return, I believe it'll be a wait that's worth it. By the way, I want to plug Wednesday night. This week, we're back into our study of Revelation. It's worth the wait. So, what can we do when we're waiting? When God seems silent and life is dark, God knows we're going to be this way. Psalm 13, David, who had a lot of waiting to do, said this, How long, Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? Psalm 28, To you, Lord, I call. You're my rock. Don't be deaf to me. If you be silent to me, I will become like those who go down to the pit. Psalm 83: Oh God, do not keep silence. Do not hold your peace. Or don't be still, God. Job 30, I cry to you for help, but you don't answer me. I stand, you only look at me. Zephaniah chapter 3, The Lord God is in your midst, a victorious warrior. He will exult over you with joy. He will be quiet as love. He will rejoice over you with shouts of joy. In other words, you may wait today. It may be dark today, but there will be a day when the waiting is done and you will rejoice as our Lord rejoices. Waiting is part of who we are as a people. But we're not sitting around killing time waiting. We're anticipating and living each and every moment, knowing that where we are today will not be where we end up. That the darkness of the prison of today, like John the Baptist, will not be ultimately the end. And each week, each day we wait, we are closer to the arrival of Christ. Last night, I got word that uh, a gentleman by the name of Cliff Palmer, most of you will not know who Cliff is. Cliff was the pastor of First Baptist in Springdale, Arkansas from the late 60s throughout the mid-80s. He was the pastor that my dad came into the ministry underneath, and my dad served as his associate pastor for 10 years. He was the pastor God used to call my dad into a walk with the Lord. It wasn't until we it wasn't until after the years we spent with him as a pastor and then my dad as a pastor that I found out not every pastor or church preaches the scripture. I just assumed that was the case under Cliff. Cliff is in his uh, mid-90s. Until yesterday. I had a chance to talk to Cliff a few years ago. I haven't talked to him much in a few years. His, his health has been failing for a long time. But uh, Angela saw that about two or three years ago was last time I had a chance to talk to him at his home. He couldn't do much else but kind of sit in a recliner. And he was waiting. He was waiting. In fact, he even kind of wondered why the Lord was making him wait longer. He was ready to see his Lord face to face years ago. I don't know the answer to the question. But yesterday, his weight was over. And I guarantee you, he's having a party this morning. I guarantee you, if he could talk to us today, he would tell you, it's worth the weight.